Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 372. And we're not going to have a Night Vale episode till tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And we won't have a Laura Lippis episode for, I don't know, three and a half more months. Something like that. <sighs> but there are other things to talk about. Um, some good, some not so good. And we kind of wanted to just say right out the gate, uh, as of time of this recording, we just found out that Paul Rubens, who most people know as Pee Wee Herman, passed away. And we have actually had a chance to meet Paul Rubens before, and he was a very nice guy and taller than I thought, than I was expecting. Yeah, yeah, much taller. But yeah, everybody who knows him knows that he was just a lovely, lovely person. But I just wanted to say and do a condensed version of the story of how our parents know him. So he was an acting student, and it's actually part of the same theater that mom and dad worked at for years. He grew up in Sarasota, Florida, where we grew up. Um, and he was part of the acting school. And mom was saying today, when she was sort of recapping the story, that he was actually trying to get into an acting school. And this was kind of like an audition piece sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And he was very, very nervous about it. So he went to our dad, who was an established actor at the theater, and asked dad for some advice. And dad says to this day that he didn't really give him that much advice. He's like, no, he was fine. Everything was fine. But it all went really, really super well. And Paul was incredibly grateful. And so was Paul's father. Now, apparently one of them, I forget who, tried to write dad a check to thank him for his help, which dad, of course, tore up. Of course. Like, no, 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 I am not taking your if money. If you know dad, you know he would not have taken the money under no, any circumstances. Absolutely not. But then Paul's father, who owned a lamp store in Sarasota, reached out to mom and dad and said, seriously, come into the store and just pick out whatever lamp you want. And it's yours. I'm just very grateful. Well, I was talking to mom today and I hadn't heard this part of it. They still didn't even go in for a while because they were just like, no, we can't do that. You know, mom and dad never want to bother anybody. So Victor Myrick, one of mom and dad's co-workers, called mom to say that Paul's father had told him to tell her that if they did not come in and pick out a lamp, he would pick out the ugliest one in the store and send it to them. <laughs> <laughs> so mom and dad went in and they picked out a lamp. And then when mom originally told the story, mom's like, and that's the lamp over there. And we're like... That lamp over there that's hanging over the dining room table that's been there since we've been little kids. That's from Paul Rubin's dad. And it's a very nice lamp. It's a very nice lamp. But that's just, you know, the whole, his whole family was really, really lovely. And he was nice. And I don't know, it's weird to be living in a world that's not going to have P.B. Herman in it. It still doesn't feel real. Yeah. 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 And you never watched any of Gotham, right? No, I didn't. But um, I did like his like very brief appearance in one of the Batman movies as I think yes. the same character, right? Exactly. That was what was so delightful. So it's the second uh, Burton Batman movies. And he shows up as the Penguin's father who, you know, they both kind of abandoned the kid in the river. And so then Gotham shows up and you have like all the same characters, but different stories. And the penguin is mourning his mother and this guy shows up at the gravesite and it's Paul Rubens and he's playing the penguin's dad. Just such, whoever was responsible for that casting, it was brilliant because it was a totally different character. He was just the loveliest individual on the show, a really genuinely nice person. And Paul played him so well. Oh, so I'm man. So glad I got to see that. Anyway, anyway, you know, rest in peace, Paul. So we're going to move on to um, slightly happier stuff. Uh, we just watched a certain trailer today. Oh my God, you guys, the trailer for Loki season two just dropped and it's Ooh. amazing. Oh, wow. And you had put a tweet out there. You're like, oh my God, chills. And I watch it. Yes. 
partly the way it's edited is brilliant. It looks like it's going to be so interesting, but the music stings are really good. And Ki Hoi Kwan, I think that's how you pronounce his name, has a role in the new season. And I think that is fantastic. I am so glad he's getting work now after years of not being able to really convince Hollywood that he's actually got acting chops. Uh, But Mm -hmm. it looks like it's going to be such a fun role, too. Yeah, yeah. The kind of the the techie guy in the background probably has weird social skills, but is super duper smart. So I think that's a perfect role. And it looks like there's going to be all sorts of interesting things going on. I mean, that one opening shot where Loki is talking, and then all of a sudden, he like, they call it a time skip, but it's like his entire body morphs into branches and everything. And he thrashes around and disappears. And I'm like, Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it was really abrupt, too. I was like, thanks. <laughs> and we did see um, what's her name, the, the female version of Loki. So Sophie? Sophie? Sylvie? Sylvie. (laughs) We did actually see her, and uh, I'm hoping for some little romantic kind of stuff, but if not, that's fine too. Yep, they handled it all so well in the first season, and I'm really curious to see what they're going to do with this next season. And I'm glad that Loki and Mobius are still like this buddy cop sort of thing going on, because I love that. And I was afraid we wouldn't get that when it was really obvious at the end of the first season that, spoilers, Mobius doesn't remember Loki anymore. Oh, man. That was such a great way to end that season, too, because it came out of nowhere with everybody's just like, oh, are you new here? And we're like, they don't remember anything. (laughs) It's going to be really, really fun. But we'll put a link to the trailer in the podcast description, because if you haven't watched it, you really should. It's just I'm looking forward to it. I hope they do well because they did the first season so well. Yeah. And there's at least two posters that have come out recently that I also think are amazing because they prominently Mm -hmm. feature Tom Hiddleston's face. So very good. (laughs) Yes. So kind of taking a sideways turn into more, I don't know, the Marvel Star Wars engine, I'm like two and a half episodes away from the end of Andor, and it is very well done, really well acted. The story is so compelling, but wow, it's dark. I mean, there are no there are no Star Wars movies or TV shows that are quite as dark as this one, not even Rogue One, which of course is the prequel to Rogue One. I mean, we're talking like death and torture and the dangers of overreaching of a fascist government. I mean, it is like, it's intense. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's been taking me a while to watch it. Cause every once in a while, I'm just like, Oh, I think I just kind of want to put some of the Irish people try things channel up on YouTube and watch that instead. You know, it's, um, it's, it's really heavy. Well, I find, finished watching the first season, maybe the only season of uh, The Book of Boba Fett. Mm. And uh, I'm just, I've been trying to decide here because most of the last episode is one big running battle through the streets of Tatooine. And Mm -hmm. it feels like the entire season was leading up to, or, or that this battle was the excuse for the entire series. No, one element of the last battle in the last season, I can imagine somebody saying, we want to have a scene that has this. And somebody says, great, write a season around it. Because it's just like such fan service and just so, and I cannot decide because in order to really get what's going on or to really appreciate it, you kind of have to watch episodes five, six, and seven, and I cannot decide if it's worth it. Because, I mean, the season has great moments, but it's not like, you know, 
wow great. I mean, there were things that I liked. There's a bit with jetpacks that I thought was great. There's a bad guy who was apparently a fan favorite from the Clone Wars cartoon. And the way they did his face, because I'm pretty sure it was CGI'd so that he could talk clearly through all those teeth. But I thought they did such a great job with his whole aesthetic. And I do think they brought in the voice actor from the cartoon as well. So all of that was great. I just... I feel like it's all separate pieces. It doesn't really feel like it's all tied together really well. I don't know wow. why really we should care. And it's another thing, like I noticed in the, the first episode, the music just does so much heavy lifting to tell you what you're supposed to be feeling at any yeah. given time. Yeah, and I'm perfectly willing to be manipulated by great music. It happens all the time, and that's fine. But as soon as I, as soon as it becomes really super obvious that there isn't anything else in the scene except for the music moment, I'm like, uh, you guys, you needed to do something else there. Yeah, yeah. The beginning of episode five, though, I really think you at least need to start that because it's on a setting that I think you'll appreciate. Okay, all right. I, I'm willing to do that. I know that. That happens every once in a while. I think we've already talked in this podcast about me having watched the series Midnight Mass, uh-huh. which just ended up being really dumb in the end oh my god there's an episode halfway through and i'm like yeah i i mean i think you can watch up to that and stop there and i don't entirely know if the episodes that lead up to it are worth it but ah it's just just always (laughs) like i kind of want to just sit down with you and hannah and just watch up to there so you could but once again you're right it's not going to mean anything unless you did the effort to get through it all right. the way. You, know? yeah. you can't jump into it. So. Oh, and I, I saw somebody was ranting, I think it was on Twitter, about how TV shows are now... I think what they were complaining about, and I don't know if this is like industry-wide or if it's one idiot producer, but it was a producer who knows that people tend to have TV on in the background while they're scrolling on their phones. So they were actually asking writers if they could make the episodes less engaging so that people wouldn't have trouble keeping up if they're doing other things. I'm like, you're literally trying to make TV shows less watchable. That's Uh, terrible. That's awful. There's plenty of YouTube that you can watch that you don't have to have any kind of engagement with it. Go watch that instead. Yeah, I hope that was just some one-off idiot somewhere. I hope hope that's not just a trend. Oh, God. Ugh. Well, you know, that actually is a pretty good segue, because we were talking right before the podcast recording about Twitter and how irritated we are about this whole move to the X thing, which is just (sighs) mind-boggling. I mean, he's such a child. I'm sorry. If you're an Elon Musk bro... You do you, man, but we're just not fans because we just don't think he's as clever as he would like people to believe. We think he just has a lot of money and some really smart people who are paid a lot of money to take his ideas and pull something workable out of him. So sorry if you're thinking otherwise. You might want to go listen to a different podcast. Yeah, there was somebody on Twitter who said it's like Elon Musk bought Twitter and he didn't realize that all of us comes with it. Oh, yeah, yeah. But someone else followed up and said, no, we were what he was buying because because his sucky ideas were never going to get an audience anywhere else. So he buys up Twitter and then kind of like tries to ram through his awful ideas that wouldn't work anywhere else if there wasn't already an established audience for it. Right. It makes sense. Hence why it's now got an X instead of a bird. Are we all going to be calling it shitting or zitting or whatever it is instead of tweeting now? I don't know. I think a lot of people have just thrown up their hands and are like, just fucking call it tweeting. It's fine. You know, it makes no sense. <laughs> but yeah, that somebody had posted, and I'll have to find a link to that. There is apparently an app that you can download 
And I think it's it's a safe app. It's a recommended app, but it's actually a third party app that will change a lot of the settings on your Twitter. And it can kind of weed out a lot of the stupid things like, oh, here's somebody that somebody you follow is following. And here's a recommended tweet out of friggin nowhere. You know, it can turn off those things. But you also have the option to give it a custom logo. So when it appears on your phone, you don't have to look at that stupid X thing, which a lot of people are just like, it's like a porn channel out of the 80s. That's what you would think. Yeah, yeah. that was Catherine Valente said, ah, I hate the stupid new logo on my phone. It makes me look like I really like porn. <laughs> Seriously. Ugh, ugh. So uh, yeah, I'll put a link to that one. Because every time I see it on my phone, and yes, I know a lot of people have been complaining about it, but we're still on Twitter. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, you're right. You're totally right. If we really hated it that much, we should get away. But um, every time I see it on my phone, I just kind of roll my eyes and it would just feel kind of fun to just you know get at that out of there. But eh, um, I do kind of feel like people should probably stop ringing the bell for how Twitter's about to die, because that's been happening for a year now. Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, if it is dying, it's a really long, drawn-out death that's happening yeah. just in little tiny increments. And I bet everyone was so sure when he got rid of all of these experts that Twitter yeah. was just going to fail because there would be something that some maintenance person was doing upkeep on that nobody else knows about. And he's gotten rid of all of his talent. And then people are saying, oh, well, it hasn't made much of a difference. They must not have been doing anything important anyway. And like a year later, maybe? I, I yeah, don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they were doing very important things. And I'm sure there's people who really did not deserve to get laid off. But the fact of the matter is, it's still limping along fine. I mean, I think every once in a while you have a little bug happening, but I mean, that happens sometimes. I'm not saying this to like defend Elon. I'm saying every single person who comes up and says, well, Twitter's going to be dead, so I'm going to leave. And most of them have come back. So Uh maybe we should, I think we're starting to look a little silly. So maybe we just, you know, wait to say that Twitter's dead when it actually dies. Because I do believe it probably will, but I'm just not going to be one of those people's like, well, that's it. Here's my last tweet. And I'm not going to, no, I just, ah, yeah, a few of the people that I follow are moving over to threads, but a few months ago, a few of the people that I follow were moving over to Mastodon and nothing seems to stick. No. Yeah. Uh, Blue Sky is the one I've heard about the most. I think that's the Jack Dorsey one, which a lot of people are saying would be hilarious that now that Elon Musk has gotten rid of the bird, Jack Dorsey just takes it back. He's like, I'll just take that over here. (laughs) There was one other thing I just wanted to plug was that Red Letter Media has, um, they've released a what they're calling a pilot for an animated red letter media. It's called Spitballs. And it's basically Jay and Mike and Rich. And they're living in Los Angeles for some reason. And they're trying to make a living as screenwriters in Hollywood. And okay. they're going to various directors. I guess that's what the series is going to be pitching their ideas for new movies. And it's like really like deliberately crappy animation, whatever. And I think the opening bit and the ending bit is obviously a little scripted about them, you know, trying to get in to see a particular director and pissing them off with their terrible ideas. But then the whole middle part is them just shooting the shit about an idea for a terrible movie. And the one that they did for the pilot was a sequel to Speed, only it's instead of Speed 3, it's Speed 4, because it's gone so fast, it went past 3. And it's just running through these terrible, terrible ideas with the awful animation. Just really kind of funny. Oh, good. I I need to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Any any of that kind of like animation conversation stuff. I always love that. I mean, God, um, 
what's his face? Zero Punctuation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I, if you guys haven't watched a lot of Zero Punctuation, every once in a while, if I need a laugh, I just call up the episode about the surge. <laughs> the and then the only other thing that I wanted to talk about was I was sitting here looking through my preview comics because I haven't done a review in a while. I'm like, where the hell is Saga? And I was like, holy shit, how did I forget? Saga's on hiatus until August 30th. Oh, why is ev- okay? I guess it's summer vacation. That's not too yeah. out of the ordinary, but still, no, that's a no. lot of hiatuses going on. It is, but then again, there's also been the conversation about how artists get burnt out very quickly. Right. So, you know, t- take your hiatus. It's fine. Make it good. That's good. And then, you know, that's, I just really haven't been keeping up with anything lately. It's really all this great content out there, and I keep rewatching old YouTube videos, and I still have not made it to see Into the Spider-Verse. This I one. haven't either, and oh. everybody's so happy with it, too. Yeah, everybody loves it. And they've actually put a little bit of a delay on the next one coming out, because apparently there were stories about how they were really burning through their artists on this one, and so they put the brakes on. But that could have something to do. I don't know. The voice actors, maybe there's a strike involved with that, too. Could be. Yeah, the strike's been very interesting. I mean, I don't think you could write better villains deliberately than what Mm. we've actually got with the people saying that they want to hold out until the screenwriters start losing their homes. I mean, nobody's going to be on your side, guys. No, no. And I've got... The AI and Entertainment panel, uh, press junket that Lauren and I got to go to, I have a sort of a preliminary video posted, but it's like unlisted just yet. It was a two-hour conversation from voice actors, members of the Voice Actors Guild, answering questions and talking about, you know, how AI is like they're calling it an existential threat when it comes to a lot of like creative careers and everything. And they say that this whole line that people have been saying about, well, you know, it's technology and it keeps rolling forward and what are you going to do? And they're like, no, that's bullshit. There is no technology that can't be regulated to protect human beings. I mean, Technology for cars grows leaps and bounds every day. You still have to have a driver's license, you know? It's like, so, yeah, there's a lot of, like, make sure to talk to people. Anybody who says, oh, it doesn't matter or or you can't do anything about it, make sure you have a conversation with them and ask them why. Why can't we jump forward and... Unions and guilds are a big way of protecting people in this kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was it was very interesting. Boy, it was long, though. Two hours. Wow. Ooh, yeah. And it's just you've always got to push back on this sort of replacing people because that's just been ever since I joined the job market, I've gotten the sense that the people at the very highest levels of corporations really see employees as a necessary evil. And wouldn't it be nice if they didn't have to actually pay people to do work? I mean, that's, and it seems to be what, you know, a lot of these people are doing with AI. They think, well, we can just go ahead and replace people and have all the art done there. And I'm like, but then all the art looks the same and all the people sound the same. Yeah, and you've yeah. got dialogue that's just rehashed tropes over and over again with no creative spark. I think it's yeah. it's going to be bad. And I don't know what it's going to take for everybody to realize that. Yeah. But yeah, we got to keep pushing. Ah, this whole idea about using AI to generate a novel. And I'm like, the only people who would think that that's an actual possibility are people who are not readers. Because if you're a reader, you know, when you read something, and you're telling your friends, you're like, Oh, my God, I read this book, and it's just eating my brain and everything. And you've also read crap. And you know, working at pixeladygeek.com, we've certainly gotten unsolicited novels sent to us before by very earnest, enthusiastic people. And you start reading, you're like, wow, this is 
unfortunately hot garbage, which we don't tell them that because that's mean. But you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, sure, you could use AI to generate a novel, fine, and it will get no buzz whatsoever because it will be generally hated. So yeah, and that was uh, Ursula Vernon really went off on that whole idea about these people that think that you know, that the writing part is the tedious part. And what they really want to be able to do is take their idea and have a computer generate the story. And she said, the idea is the easiest part of the entire process. A five-year-old can come up with an idea. If you want a good story, you have to write it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny. It's just kind of like Elon Musk, you know? Yeah. Sure, he comes up with some great ideas, but he has smart people who can actually go through and be like, that's bullshit, that's bullshit, that's Although I could do something with that, that's bullshit, whatever. So it's like, yeah, the idea is not the hard part. It's actually making it happen. Right, exactly. But I guess that's going to wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries. Very nice photo galleries. Yeah, we got two more up from Alex, and Lauren has another gallery that's going to be coming up soon, and then a possible video from the AI panel that I mentioned and you know a lot of cosplayers have already found their photos I mean I swear to God me and Alex were like I ha- I was like on a mission every day I wanted to have at least 50 good photos from every day and I think Alex blew past that a long time ago. <laughs> if you were at Comic-Con in cosplay there's a very good chance we got your picture so make sure to go check that out and more pixelatedgeek.com so next week we will actually have a Night Vale episode to recap because that's tomorrow right yes um I wish I had more updates around here. I didn't manage to go to GalaxyCon this year, mm-hmm. but a couple of my friends did, and Shane had a great time, and David was entirely appalled by how badly they ran all the meet and greets. Oh, yeah. but it sounded um, really rough. But uh, yeah, the most that I saw was that I finally went to get Boba for the first time, and there were oh, a yeah. few. There were a table next to us of a few girls that were obviously from GalaxyCon, and one of them I think was dressed up as the main bad guy from. Uh, everything everywhere all at once but I was too shy to go and get their picture oh that's yeah it it takes practice before you do that so you have to say because that was one of those like divides between us you know it's like you like white cream and donuts I like yellow cream and donuts you know Uh, and you have never had boba and could not imagine trying it what did you think I liked it very much it was I got the uh, the Thai milk tea and Mm. it was very sweet I went with regular sweetness and apparently you could go like with massive ultra sweetness so I'm like I don't Oh, yeah, let me yeah, let me no. start out, you know, slow here. But I did ask for boba to be put in it. And you are right. Yes. Soggy gummy bears is exactly the texture that you're thinking about. And I don't know why it's so appealing. I know. It's amazing. <laughs> you're just like, ooh, they're all slippery and squashy and everything. Aren't they great? <laughs> we mm. went with a couple friends of ours and Jeremy had, he, he got a bunch of like floral stuff in his and he was like, this kind of reminds me of the little tiny soaps that my grandmother had in her bathtub. And we're like, and you're still drinking it? Yeah, yeah. At that point, I'd be like, maybe not this. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so we'll be talking about Night Vale and other things that catch our attention, like tea, I suppose. Tea, <laughs> one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later.
And it would be just nice, because every time I see it on my phone, and yes, hang on, there's a car. No. Wow, that's weird. I had a segue, and it's just like, it's totally fucking gone. <laughs> Give me a second.